Well, hey, good morning, everybody. Good to see y'all. Thanks for joining us. We are still plowing through the five languages of apology. And last week, I think I had mentioned how it's, it's a little expensive on Amazon, but some people were finding it on Half Price Books or what was the other one? It's like, I don't know, Wendy, Wendy Fisher found it for some cheap, on some cheap website. Anyway, um, I think if you just find like some kind of secondhand bookstore on Google or something like that, you probably can find a cheaper version of this. The ones on Amazon are in the $20 or $30 range, and that's, I can understand how that can be a little pricey. So anyway, we're working through this. Last week I had also mentioned, too, this book. It's not related to what we're doing in the class, but, well, it's not the primary focus of what we're doing in the class, but it has come up a couple of times, and so I recommend this especially if, you're parent, if you have parents of uh, children who still live with you, okay? And so it's called Scream-Free Parenting. This has been really helpful for me. I've got two little ones. Scream-free, scream as in yelling, like I would have done to the nice lady over here. <laughs> Not screen as in uh, iPad or something, but Scream-Free Parenting. It's by a guy named Hal Edward Runkle. He, LMFT means uh, he's a licensed marriage and family therapist. This is really useful, this book. Um, the back price says $14. I don't think I paid that much for it on Amazon, but I highly recommend it. Scream-free parenting. Is there spring-free spousing? <laughs> 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 I'm serious. I don't know, but that is... That is part of what we've been trying to do this class. <laughs> um, may, yeah, maybe uh, we could. <laughs> David, your uh, David, your face matches Melanie's dress. <laughs> um, so we can uh, we can hunt we can hunt for that. Let me know. See what you can find online. We are uh, we're rolling through five languages of apology. And um, let's do a little bit of a review. What are the two apology languages that we have looked at so far? Do y'all remember? What are the two apology languages we've looked at so far? Remember what we talked about last time? Or the time before that? So that was the one we looked at last week. Very good. Chris, were you taking notes? Oh, there we go. Okay, good. He's ready for the test. No, he's, uh, yeah, so last week we talked about accepting responsibility. Uh, what does that, what does that mean? Somebody flesh that out for us, either Chris or somebody else. Accepting responsibility. What does that look like? Acknowledging. Yeah, acknowledging. I, this was wrong. I did this and this was wrong. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so accepting responsibility that basically owning up to when you actually did something. Yeah. What was the first one we looked at? Probably the most basic way of apologizing. Learning how to express regret. Learning how to express regret. That's right. Two simple words. I'm sorry. Now, sometimes it, the apology can be more sophisticated than that. Yeah. Sometimes your apology, when you say I'm sorry, it needs to be a little bit more sophisticated than that. But basically, the, the argument from Gary Chapman and Jennifer Thomas, the authors, co-authors of this book, basically they argue that 
if you are, uh, th that people have languages of apology that are, that function in a similar way to the love languages that we talked about in the first half of class. So not everybody has the same love language. And what they argue is that not everybody has the same language of apology for you, Ron, let's just use an example. Ron's apology language, what, what might be most meaningful for Ron is to hear Linda simply say, I'm sorry, okay? Or what might be most meaningful for Linnea is for her to hear me say, hey, I was wrong. I shouldn't have done X, Y, and Z, okay? I could say I'm sorry, but maybe that is not her language of apology. Maybe that's not her primary language of apology. Maybe I'm sorry doesn't communicate well enough to her how I actually feel. And so maybe it's something like accepting responsibility, something along those lines. Anyway, so we've talked about expressing regret and accepting responsibility. So let's, um, <clears throat> let, let me ask this question, or actually let me, let me state this. Since those two are not the primary love language for everybody, maybe you've expressed regret or accepted responsibility and your loved one still doesn't seem satisfied for some reason, okay? Maybe, maybe you still feel like you haven't done either enough or maybe you feel like you haven't done what is actually appropriate for them to realize that you are sorry for what you're doing. It's possible that they might have another apology language. Let's turn in our Bibles to Luke chapter 19. But I grab out your Bibles, please. We'll turn to Luke chapter 19. We'll read verses 1 through 10. Maybe we can get a little bit of insight into another language of apology by reading this story of Jesus interacting with someone that most of us are familiar with. So Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. I know that's a, that's a big section there, but uh, can I have a volunteer who's willing to read nice and loud for everybody? Jesus? David? Okay, yeah, go for it, Jesus. Luke chapter 19, verse 10. Yes, please. Book of Luke chapter 19, verse 1 to 10. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was a chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus who he was, and could not for the press, because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. For he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him, and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste, and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste, and came down, and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying, That he was going to be, that he was going, gone to be guest with a man that is a sinner. Verse 8. And Zacchaeus stood, and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for so much as he also is a son of Abraham. 
For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. All right. Thank you, Jesus. All right, so with this story in mind, we're going to be focusing on Zacchaeus. So quick question. Did Zacchaeus apologize for anything? No. Seen a couple heads shake? No. Okay. He didn't say, I'm sorry, right? Is there anywhere in the text where he said, I'm sorry for anything? No. So if that's what we're looking for in an apology, then Zacchaeus didn't... Uh, actually say I'm sorry. Give me just a sec, Jesus. Let me ask this. Did Zacchaeus accept responsibility for anything? Seen a few people nod their heads. Yes. Few, seen a few people kind of mull it around a little bit. For those of you who think Zacchaeus did accept responsibility, can you dig into that a little bit? How did he, so I'm seeing, I'm seeing all three answers. Yes, no, and maybe. Uh, David, you shook your head yes. Can you, would you mind saying why you think Zacchaeus accepted responsibility? Yeah, whenever he, whenever he made the statement that, you know, if he has, you know, it, uh, if he has, uh, you know, mischarged somebody's taxes that he'll, you know, repay them four times, um, you know, that, that sort of thing. I mean, he's accepting responsibility. Whether or not he is aware of whether he's done something wrong, mm -hmm. he's, he's not admitting. He's just saying, but if I have, I want to make it right. He's at least open to the possibility. Yeah. Now, Henry, I saw you shaking your head no. Would you, would you talk to us a little bit about why you think maybe Zacchaeus didn't accept responsibility? Or did David change your mind? It feels kind of borderline, yeah? Imagine having that conversation with your, with your spouse or a parent or a child or loved one, right? Um, they, they're, they're hurt, they're upset, and you come into them and say, well, if I had done something like this, or if I have done something like this, <laughs> that could... Uh, yeah, okay, I can see that. Uh, a couple of you are not really sure what... Uh, anybody want to explain maybe why is there some ambiguity here? Diana? Yeah. If it involved money, the Romans kept excellent records. <laughs> I promise you. My yes. Was, okay, you know, you have people, I guess I'm thinking of like politicians, that they'll say stuff, but can it be proven? You know, can he prove that yeah. he either did or did not cheat somebody? I guess that's why. Fair enough, yeah. Yeah, it uh, could kind of... Okay, let's, uh, let's maybe... Uh, let's take a vote. Votes are fun, right? They, uh, <laughs> we, uh, we get to see who's thinking what. Um, show of hands, yes. Did Zacchaeus accept responsibility? did you verbally accept responsibility or did he by action accept responsibility? Let me make sure that I have my notes here. He doesn't explicitly state he was wrong but we could reasonably infer he believed he was wrong to some degree. That's what I have in my notes. <laughs> How many of you think Zacchaeus accepted responsibility to a noticeable degree? Fearless? Okay. Hey, money was involved. Money was involved? He's putting money on the table, so he's, he's offering that. 
for someone who might have had Plenty. enough money, it's possible that he could, yeah. Uh, David, yes, sir. So, I'm, how many of you will buy something compared to something else if it has a warranty? I mean, that's what this is. He's, he's basically, this is a business transaction we're talking about. Okay. So he's saying, if I did something wrong, I'm going to pay you back four times. A store may say, if we don't have the lowest price, we're going to pay you back plus 10%. How many mm -hmm. people will go buy that? Interesting so perspective saying, on it. To me, that's I can what see that. he's saying. Like, if we make yeah. a mistake, we're going to make a run. I can see that. Hey, Zeus. So it kind of brings the cautious, like when he says, uh, Lord, the half of my good, and I give to the poor, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes we consider that some people would not actually give all, like half of their goods to somebody. Sure, so yeah. For, for someone that takes other things, you know, to, to, that has more now than they did before, giving half would be the same as giving the initial, like, Maybe ten percent you would give. Then I would also look, I would also look at this thing where it says, "For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which is lost." Yeah. So to, to give him an opportunity to confess, but he also says he took responsibility because his his uh, his act of apologizing was giving goods. So for what he gave, he assumed responsibility. Like I guess um, subconsciously trying to be nice and give more than he normally would mm -hmm. show that he. Okay. Um, let's. Okay. Jesus has given us a good segue, but I see a couple of hands. So. Um, I just want to retract what I said because okay. he's a chief tax collector. I think that money coming into his hands must be extremely valuable to him. So maybe he is making his amends by giving money out because we don't know him prior to this moment. Yeah. Yeah, per, per, so most likely not. His, his yeah, uh, quick mo a quick note about the word uh, chief tax collector. Also, uh, Jesus, what what version were you reading from? King James, New King King James. Okay, um, King James translated this publican. Um, the uh, probably a, a a way to translate that that we would be more used to would be chief tax collector. In Greek here, it's the word tax collector, the word that we normally translate tax collector, with a prefix stuck on the front. Um, how many of you have heard of an archangel? Okay, you've heard of an angel and an archangel. In Greek, when you stick that prefix arch on the front of something, A-R-C-H, that means chief, right? So in Jude, I think Michael is described as an archangel. That prefix is stuck on the front of this word here, tax collector. So he's not just low man on the totem pole. You know, Zacchaeus is a very important figure in getting money for the Romans, okay? All right, so, uh, Melly, appreciate you uh, being willing to kind of uh, walk back, which you think was appropriate there. I saw Eric and then Abby. Um, Abby, why don't you go ahead? Okay, we're, we're, we're keep walking closer to where I'm wanting to lead us. Uh, Eric, yeah. That's fair. Yeah. He certainly leaves open the possibility. Uh, Zacchaeus talks in verse 8, so that's where we've been camping out. He says, uh, um, let's see. And he says to him, oh, here we go, yeah. Uh, Behold, half of my goods, O Lord, I give to the poor. 
And he doesn't say, I will give. Now, some of your translations might say, I will give. In Greek, it's just a present tense, I give. It's kind of up for debate. Does Zacchaeus mean, I'm currently in the process of doing that? Or, you know, how sometimes, sometimes in English we use the present tense to talk about a future action. When are you coming? I'm coming tomorrow. Well, I'm coming is present tense, right? Sorry, sorry to break some grammar out on y'all, but that's part of understanding the Bible. So, like, maybe that's how this is operating, too. Not totally sure. But then Eric is correct. The second half of the sentence, he mentions, you know, well, if I've defrauded anyone. Henry, I think I saw a comment there, and then maybe Julia after that. Ah, we're, we're dancing around the next love la- apology language here. He's saying if and, you know, talking grammar. Yeah. His action said, I think, and I think we do, a lot of us do that. I think, I know I have a tendency just to fix what I did wrong instead of saying, I did this wrong, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Man. They called him a name. They called him as, Jesus is going to be the guest of a sinner. And his first response is, wait, wait, whoa, whoa, here and now I give half to the poor. And if I've messed up, I will do this down, you know, so I think that yeah, yeah. he's trying to defend himself with the, whoa, 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 here and now, I already, I give. Yeah. We're hitting around all the, all the issues. Uh, Julia, did you have a comment? Basically, she, she kind of okay. I think he's becoming like, his self-realization is, is coming, like, he, he seems Perhaps, to be yeah. recognizing, I, I'm a sinner, and if I did this wrong, maybe before he didn't realize that he was doing wrong, so therefore he's trying to say like she yeah. said, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll give half, kind of trying to justify, you know, what he's doing. Yeah. So that, that's basically maybe a, a borderline of an apology, like it will get there. Yeah. Not there just yet. People tend to, in, in scripture, people who are humble enough, they tend to have two reactions, one of two reactions when they draw close to Jesus. Either they recognize their sinfulness or they are angry and reject Jesus because he points out their sinfulness. People who tend to recognize their sinfulness will often do something about it. Zacchaeus, woman at the well, in John chapter 4, other folks. Uh, Jesus saw hand, and then, and then Lori, and then Lydia. And then, then after that, we'll get into the next apology language. Yeah, I just want to say one other thing with that. Like, if... Um Possibly, yeah, possibly. Uh, we also, I think it's fair to take into account Jesus' reaction, right? Jesus seems to give a positive report. Verse 9, today. Maybe it's important that Jesus uses the word today. Today, salvation has come to this house. Anyway, uh, Lori, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, possible. Lydia? Uh, 
considered thieves as they take extra mm -hmm. than what was due and keep the extra for themselves. Yeah. And for him to, to kind of, as soon as Jesus is in his presence, he's willing to quickly give back. To, to me, that's a form of repentance. And obviously, Jesus recognized what was in his heart in order for him to say, today says, has, you know, salvation has come to his house. I think so. Yeah. yeah. He was letting go of what was important to him. Okay. Mm -hmm. Possessions, and because he said it wasn't just his wealth, his possessions. He's given that up in money. Yeah, he mentioned, yeah, the word here that he says is not just money in the first half of what he says in verse 8. Half of my possessions, half of my things. All right. We, this has been a great discussion, guys. I, I didn't expect that we'd have uh, this much discussion on this. Let me ask this question. Did Zacchaeus change his behavior in order to address and fix a problem? I've seen a lot of heads nod yes. A couple of folks are not sure. Dana, you, Dana, you gave me the universal, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe accepting responsibility. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you'd like for him to more obviously accept responsibility. Because the if is what's throwing me off. Sure. Yeah. He's. But, I, but with Jesus's reaction, you know that he knows that um, he knows his heart. But still, I would like somebody to say, "Okay, I did this, but in the future, I'll make sure I do it this way." Fair enough. Yeah. And, and what he maybe Zacchaeus's response indicates future future action. I, I think that's possible, at least. Other folks, did, uh, did Zacchaeus, uh, did he change his behavior in order to address and fix a problem? Yes, ma'am. Um, I, I, I think our understanding of the if is a little off. If is off. Um, <laughs> I, I think that we're seeing it as like, well, if I do this, you know, that's how we talk. Right. About it. But I think what's happening here is he's been living his life as a tax collector and like, They didn't have any recourse to be able to bring anything. Possible. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah. I think we have to get back to the tree, though. He, he goes out of his way to climb the tree to see Jesus, and I think that shows a hope of some sort of a change he wants to make. Something about Jesus that makes him do what would be silly for a guy in his social standing, right? When was the last time you saw a guy in a business suit climb a tree? Yeah, I mean... Richard, Richard when was the last time you climbed a tree outside your office building? <laughs> There are no trees. <laughs> We're in corpus. <laughs> yeah. He's willing to risk it. Yeah. Yeah. I also think 
I also think it's very important that we not lose sight of Jesus' comments in verses 9 and 10. But here's, here's where we've all been dancing around, and if you've, if you've been paying close attention, maybe you've gotten it. I think, yes, in some way, Zacchaeus is pledging to make restitution. All right. What does restitution mean? What does restitution mean? Make things right, make whole, you know? Um, I'm su- surprised somebody didn't pull out and Google it <laughs> real quick, just to explain it easily for you guys. Uh, yeah, restitution is something like the, uh, the act of giving back to a rightful owner, yeah? If you have something stolen from you and it is given back to you, preferably in good condition, that restitution has been made, yeah? Uh, or giving of something as equivalent that has been lost. So say you lost something and maybe you didn't get back that particular thing, but you got something, you received something in exchange that was maybe equal value. Um, yeah, and sometimes it's, it's impossible to make restitution. Yeah, sometimes it's impossible, but I think another way to describe this notion of making restitution is this. Making amends, making amends, making restitution, making amends, that is the third apology language that we are going to get to today. And you could see how so many of us were kind of hitting around that without actually saying the word restitution, right? Many of us were hitting around that notion as we walked through Zacchaeus' story and saw that he was willing to give some back in order to uh, fix or address some problem. We're not even told exactly what all has happened. Zacchaeus just has this encounter with Jesus, and, and it, all it takes is for Jesus to come to his house to tick off some people and for Zacchaeus to have this experience where he is suddenly overcome with the desire to make, he's open to at least making restitution. Look at the first, second half of verse 8. If I have defrauded anyone of anything, I'll pay back four times as much. That goes above and beyond. Restoring something of equal value. Chapman and Thomas cite a professor of psychology from Virginia Commonwealth University, a guy who has been uh, doing research on, uh, on the psychology of forgiveness. Here's something that he, uh, that he says here, and I think this is a pretty neat quote. Um, we're talking about making restitution. Equalizing is making up for the loss that the other person experienced. To offer restitution is to equalize the balance of justice. Any hurt or offense causes the person who is hurt to lose something. Perhaps he or she loses self-esteem, self-respect, or a tangible benefit. So it is an act of kindness for the transgressor to offer to make up for the loss. That's according to this Forgiveness research. Give me just a sec, Sean. That's according to this forgiveness researcher from Virginia Commonwealth University. Let me let me ask. What do you think? 
Do you agree? Do you disagree? What do you think about this notion of if you've been hurt in some way that you've lost something? Seen a couple of folks shake their heads, yeah? What do you think? If you've been hurt by a loved one, do you think it's fair to think of it as, as losing something? David, yeah? I was going to say, with a loved one, most likely the thing, I think most commonly, the thing that is lost is trust or closeness of the relationship. I think so. You know, yeah. That's what, you know, uh, the amends process a lot of times is trying to not just apologize for, you know, that mistake, but I, I want to do this so that we can get back what we lost. Or trying to restore something. Yeah. What we lost, that closeness of the relationship, the trust, the. Trust. Yeah, very true. Anybody else? What do you think? Sean? Yeah? In the Japanese culture, they express it. Uh, their slang term is go men money, short for go men aside. Simple translation, oh so sorry. Mm -hmm. And by their traditions, things like, you know, they get in a car wreck, they hold up a train, you know, like you said, this is where tangible loss. Mm -hmm. And then it's upon that person, even before court or any of that, whoever the offender is, they pay go men. Interesting. And yeah. It's, yeah, that's kind of ingrained in their culture. Uh, this also prevents, now this goes back to the old feudal and the samurais, you know, this was done sometimes, you know, just to keep your head. <laughs> Fair enough, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that custom has, has still bled over and it's in, that, in their culture today. Yeah. And that's their, and I kept hearing this recitation, I'm thinking, it was like go mid-money. <laughs> yeah. I've got a, a good buddy from my doctoral program, uh, lived his life in Osaka, Japan, and now after he finished his PhD, he's uh, pastoring a church and teaching in a seminary in Tokyo. And it's very interesting to hear him talk about, about honor in Japanese culture and how it shows up in ways that in, in American culture... It, it, in parts of American culture, it's maybe tough for us to realize, but that's related to this notion of kind of restoring something in the relationship that might have been lost if there was some dishonor or if there was some some uh, some issue here. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the uh, let's I've got some stuff here, but I think we'll I think we'll skip some of that. All right, I've got another quote that I want to read for you. This is if you have this book, this is from page fifty-five. This is a little bit longer quote. But it goes along with this notion of losing something. And I want to see maybe what y'all think about this. So here's what they say. In the private sphere of family and other close relationships, our desire for restitution is almost always based upon our need for love. After being hurt deeply, and David, I think this goes along with what you're saying. After being hurt deeply, we need the reassurance that the person who hurt us still loves us. After all, successful family relationships and true friendships are ultimately based on love. It is true that when we are hurt by the words or behavior of a family member, we often feel angry. The reason it hurts so deeply and the reason the anger is so intense is that we desperately want to be loved by that person. Lost my place for a second. Okay. Their harsh words or hurtful actions 
have called into question their love. How could they love me and do that? Is the question that lingers in our minds. We want to know the answer to the question. Do you still love me? It is the answer to this question that requires restitution. Okay, so do you agree? Is the root need for making restitution with loved ones really about reaffirming love? What do you think? See some head nods? Anybody want to dig into that for us a little bit? Have you found that to be true in your own relationships that when you're hurt by your loved one? So you, don't, you probably don't think, oh, they, they've just stopped loving me forever. But it does, doesn't it feel better to know that they have reaffirmed their love in some way? Henry, yes, sir. Yeah, it's, I mean, you, like you said, your guard's down. A man, a, a surprise attack, even if unintentional, right, can really hurt. Yeah. What do you think about this? Somebody hurts us, a loved one hurts us. Are we looking for a reaffirmation of their love? I think so. Uh, yeah. Yeah, good question. That is actually going to get me to my next point. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I don't think. Uh, let me let me make sure that I'm connecting all these dots together. Uh, it may not be the only factor, but it definitely makes sense that there needs to be some reaffirmation of love when genuine pain or offense have occurred. So in this instance, right, think of an instance where a loved one has hurt you unintentionally, maybe intentionally because they snap back at you because having a bad day or whatever. Just okay. envision that scenario for a moment. In this instance, if your primary language of apology is something like making amends or making restitution, what probably what you want to hear or experience from your loved one is something along these lines. They either say with their words or with their actions, what can I do to show you that I still love you and care for you? Right, so if this is your primary language of apology, right? If you, if you experience apologies, in this way, like if, if, it, if the apology makes the most sense to you by making restitution, then basically what you want to hear, or if your loved one's language of apology is making restitution, if that's what's most meaningful to them, and that's where I'm going with this, if that's what most is most meaningful to them, then what I need to do is learn how to be able to say, either with words or with actions, what can I do to show you I still love you and I still care about you. What do you think the most effective way is to make restitution to someone? 
What do you think? Hug? Actions? Something genuine? My husband said a piece of jewelry. Piece of jewelry? <laughs> Art, Art, we're going to hold you to it. I don't think Lydia would lie in, in church like that. <laughs> David. Yeah. And that doesn't. The good thing about that is going forward, you know, you have this commitment to change, but it also is is a more of a long term apology. Yeah. You know, it's not just okay, you made a commitment, that's it. Yeah. But you have to back it up with your words. Okay. All right. We're near time. Here's what I want. Here's the here's the thing I want us to get. If making and remember that clock is fast. If making restitution is the primary language of apology for you or for your loved one, is there a one-size-fits-all thing that you can do in order to make restitution? What do you think is the most effective way to make restitution to a loved one? What do you know about them and how they experience love there we go. Adrian verbalized it for us. If Linnaeus' primary language of apology is for me to acknowledge and fix a problem, and if I have hurt her, then the way for me to reaffirm my love for her is to make sure that I really lean into her love languages, okay? And that's another reason why that love, discovering your love language quiz was so important, was so important. If making restitution is, the, is your language of apology, that's what you get as most meaningful, then when you're hurt, chances are your loved one really needs to lean into your love languages. If it's quality time, if it's physical touch, like a hug, if your loved one's uh, love language is physical touch, then a hug goes a really long way to say, I still love you, I still care about you. Does everybody see that? See how that makes sense? If making restitution is what's most meaningful to you, then we really need to learn how to lean into those love languages. They don't just, they're not just useful for making a person feel loved when things are kind of normal or good. But they're especially useful also when we've hurt a loved one. All right. Guys, thank you all very much for class. Appreciate your, uh, appreciate your time. Appreciate your comments. We'll see you all next week.